I don't know that I've ever met anyone who particularly likes waiting, who enjoys the act of waiting. I don't know that there's anyone who, with a full shopping cart, ready to check out, would roll up and see that Walmart only has one register open and you've got nine people ahead of you who says, oh boy, I get to wait for 15 minutes and stare at my phone while I wait for these other people to go before I can check out, right? We don't generally like waiting. Some of us would even say that we hate waiting, right? We're the kind of people who eating a frozen meal, a frozen dinner would look at the instructions and, and on some of them, there's two sets of instructions, one to eat it, cooked in the oven, which is going to taste a little better, but take longer, or to microwave it, which you're going to get it faster, but it's going to taste worse. And how often do we say, yeah, I don't want to wait, so I'm going to go ahead and microwave it, knowing it's not going to be as good, right? Sometimes we're the people who at the theme park are going to pay extra money for that fast pass so we don't have to wait in line, right? Just to avoid waiting if at all possible. We don't like waiting, and if waiting can be avoided, that's usually our preference. But the thing is, so much of life is waiting. So much of just living our lives is waiting for the next thing, waiting for uh, when is this opportunity going to come along? When is this door going to open, right? When is school uh, going to end and I can transition to this next stage of life, right? When's the internship going to call me back? When's this job opportunity going to become available? When's God going to bring that right guy, that right girl into my life who could be a future spouse someday? I've been waiting. I'm tired of waiting, right? And, and trying to figure out you know, trusting God's timing balanced with how much we hate waiting and we don't like waiting. Uh, in this season, in particular, it's difficult. In this season of, of isolation and quarantine during this pandemic, right, that it's a very weighty season where we're waiting on this, we're waiting on that, waiting, when are things going to get back to normal, right? Waiting maybe, when is my stimulus check going to come in, right? When am I going to be able to work again? When do I get to be around friends and gather again with people that I love again, we don't know, right? And so much that makes it tough is that, is that this season is so open-ended. It's a lot of waiting, uh, and it's open-ended, and that's difficult. And it's hard for us because we, we don't like waiting. We hate waiting. In my own personal Bible study time, I've been reading through the Old Testament and recently read through the Old Testament book of Esther. A major theme in Esther is God's sovereignty and trusting His timing and how His, his timing is perfect. Uh, and he he works through events to save his people in his own time. And and so if you guys aren't familiar with the book of Esther, man, we're going to look at a little bit of it tonight. The main characters in Esther are Esther, who becomes uh, a queen, and her cousin Mordecai. And we'll talk more about them uh, here in a minute. The book of Esther is set in the kingdom of Persia uh, during the reign of King Xerxes. And you've got Jews living there in Persia who had left their homeland years before when they were exiled by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, who brought them uh, from their homeland, then they settled in Babylon, and then when Persia overtook Babylon, now you've got uh, these Jewish people living in Persia, and it's hard and it's difficult because they are so different, their customs are different, their behaviors are different. And, and two, two of these characters, again, Esther uh, and her cousin Mordecai. Mordecai was a, a father figure to Esther. Esther's parents passed away before the story uh, starts and and he's been a father figure to her, caring for her. Uh, and the big arc of Esther is how God places uh, Esther in the right place to to step into a position of of power and influence in the kingdom to become one of the queens uh, in the kingdom, and ultimately works through her to save uh, the people, the Jewish people there living in Persia. And then you've got uh, Mordecai, who God also works through Mordecai as well. Uh, and so as we're as we're reading the book of Esther, we see this guy. Mordecai, and one of the first things he does uh, in the story is that he overhears a plot to assassinate the king, right? He's at the gate, and he overhears some officials 
talking and they're talking about assassinating the king. So he exposes this plot and saves the king's life. And then that act, you know, his, his heroic act of saving the king is recorded uh, in the history books. And then the story just kind of moves on. You know, there is another character uh, in the book of Esther, uh, a wicked man named Haman, right? This is an evil, wicked dude. Uh, so much so that, that when the book of Esther is read in synagogues, uh, e- even today, you know, Jewish people will boo and hiss when, when you mention the name Haman. This is an evil guy. Um, he was a proud man that, that, that wanted everyone to show him the honor and respect that he felt like uh, he deserved, but, but he was wicked at heart. And so uh, he, he would walk through the city and expect people to bow and show him honor. Uh, he was one of the king's officials, and, and he, man, his pride, he, he thought he was right on that level with the king, and he deserved that same honor. So when Haman would walk through the city streets and people didn't pay him the proper respect, he would be angry and enraged. And so Mordecai was one of those that says, hey, I'm not going to bow to anybody, right? I'm not going to bow and show this guy uh, reverence and honor. And so uh, when this was pointed out to Haman, you know, he got furious with Mordecai and says, man, I want this guy to die. And not only that, I don't only want this guy to die, but I want all of his people to die. And Haman begins to uh, put a plot into motion to have the Jewish people completely wiped out. Um, And so one one of the things that that God has done, he's begun to put Esther in a place uh, of authority and favor with the king so that she can uh, speak to the king and have this plot overturned. But in the meantime, uh, you know, Mordecai is, is on the receiving end of this guy Haman's wrath. Uh, this guy Haman, he hates he hates Mordecai, right? He 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 wants to see Mordecai killed, and he's got this plan he's put into motion uh, to have him killed. Um, in fact, uh, he can't he can't have him killed fast enough. Even though he's spoken to the king, and the king agreed, yes, you can wipe out the Jewish people on this date. He says, man, that that's not quick enough. I I need Mordecai dead now, like today. And so he builds next to his house uh, a seventy five uh, foot structure to hang Mordecai from. He's going to, he plans to put Mordecai uh, to death. And, and so this is where we're going to pick up and what we're reading. Uh, if you're reading along with me, it's Esther chapter 6. Um, so it's it's the night before Haman plans to walk into the king's palace and say, uh, King, I want to put this guy Mordecai to death. He's not giving me the proper respect, and I want to hang him from this thing that I've built by my house. Uh, and so, so Haman is on his way to see the king. What we don't know is the night before, or what he doesn't know, the night before, the king has had trouble sleeping, and he's tossing and turning, and he can't sleep. Uh, and he asks for um, his attendants to bring him the history books, right? And if I was having trouble sleeping, you know, history books uh, would be helpful to, to, to get me sleepy as well. Um, and because he's the king, a lot of the history is about him. So it's almost like just scrolling through your, uh, your Facebook memories, right? Hey, what are some things that happened in my life? Um, one of the things he sees is this assassination plot that had been uncovered uh, where Mordecai had saved his life. And he asks the attendants, what did we ever do for that guy? That guy that saved my life, that guy that over, um, you know, exposed that, that plot to have me killed. What did we do to honor that guy? And the attendants say, we didn't, we didn't really do anything for him. You know, it's recorded here in the book, but we didn't really do anything to honor him. And so the king here is thinking, man, we really got to honor uh, this guy Mordecai somewhere. And this, this is right at the time that Haman busts through the door, right? And he said, man, man I'm going to tell the king we're going to have this guy Mordecai killed. Um, you know, so, so, so Haman comes in uh, and, and, and right when Haman comes in, the king asks him a question. Uh, he says, Haman, what should we do for someone we really want to honor? We really want to honor. Now, of course, Haman is prideful and self-centered and he immediately thinks, oh, the king's talking about me. 
this is my lucky day. The king wants to honor me. So he begins to uh, go into this detailed plan that he has of, oh man, someone you really want to honor king, put the king's robe on him, right? Let him ride the king's horse, right? Let him ride right through the city while people are calling out honor and praise to him. Basically throw him a parade where he gets to march right through downtown with the with the king's robe on, on the king's horse. Let's throw a parade for the guy. He's thinking it's me, right? The king, king wants to honor me. But here we are. It's, it's Esther chapter 6, verse 10. The king says, go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get a robe and a horse, just as you suggested, but do it for Mordecai, the Jew, who sits at the king's gate and do not neglect anything that you've recommended. The king says, Haman, all these things that you've planned to do, I want you to do them, and I want you to do them for Mordecai. Now imagine you're Haman in this moment, right? You're, you're stepping in there to have Mordecai killed, to say, hey, king, can I have permission to hang this guy, to impale this guy on the structure I built next to my house? And you walk in, and the king says, I want you to throw him a parade. I mean, all these things of honor you talked about do for Mordecai. And that's exactly what happens. Uh, the uh, you know, Haman has to get the king's robe and, and put it on Mordecai, put him on the king's horse, march him through the city uh, and cry out. Here's someone the king honors. Here's someone the king wants to show honor to. The tables are turned and God's sovereignty was at work. God saved Mordecai's life by having the king remember him at just the right time. Now think about this with me. Let's say that when Mordecai first exposed that assassination plot, uh, that right in that moment, he got his parade, right? That, that that very day, you know, the king threw a parade for him. The king honored him, threw a banquet in his honor. Let's say he got his reward right in that moment when he deserved it. Fast forward however many weeks, months, we don't know, years later, uh, when when Haman had, had planned to kill him, there would be nothing stopping uh, him from putting putting Mordecai to death. But because of God's timing, that, that delayed honor was a way of saving Mordecai's life, right? That, that, that what maybe felt like delay, and we don't know that Mordecai was like, hey, where's my parade? But because it was delayed, because what he deserved was delayed, it ended up saving his life. And we can learn an important lesson there about God's sovereignty and God's timing. That there are things in our own life that we're like, man, isn't it about time? Like, God, don't I deserve this? Or, or it seems like this should have happened by now, and we get tired of waiting because we hate waiting. But what we don't know is, is that God may be working behind the scenes to bring that very thing to come about at just the right moment for what's best for us, right? We know when we think we want it to happen, right? But God knows the perfect timing, right? And so we need to come to a place where we stop whining and trust God's timing, right? Where we stop complaining and stop being miserable and trust God, you're in control. God, I'm going to trust your timing is perfect. I'm going to trust you and believe your word when you say that you cause all things to work together for the good of those who love you. I'm going to trust that, God, and trust that you know, you know when the right time is uh, for me to get that internship. You know the right time for me to step into that job. You know the right time to bring Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright into my life. I hope it's soon, but, but God, I trust your time and that you know when is best. Uh, God, you, you, you know the right time to open this door, God, and, and I trust you. And we need to come to that place uh, where even though we hate waiting, we say, God, I trust you. And in the season of waiting, uh, increase my trust in you. Increase my patience. Uh, and a lot of us, that's what we need. We need patience. When we read about patience in the Bible, we find that patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, patience. It's not something we manufacture by our own effort. Like, oh, I just need to be more patient. 
Uh, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So we'll have more patience in our life to the degree that the Holy Spirit is flourishing in our life, that we're making room uh, for Holy Spirit in our life to grow and develop that patience in us. So in this season of waiting, in this season of quarantine, and man, when is life going to get back to normal? When can we start gathering with people again? When uh, can, can we get back in the normal flow of things? In this season where we're waiting and we hate it, Say, God, uh, would you develop patience in me? Holy Spirit, would you grow patience in me? Help me to be patient in this season. Help me to make the most of this season, like we've talked about in previous weeks, uh, to really develop my godly character, become the man or woman of God you've called me to be, develop different skills, and devote myself to studying your word in this season. But Holy Spirit, also develop patience in me. Help me to be uh, more patient. Um, you know, sometimes it's excruciating to us. To, to feel like the, 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 something's being delayed, but we need to trust that God is working behind the scenes for our good in his own perfect timing. As we continue the story uh, in Esther, uh, Esther does expose the plot that, that Haman has. Um, you know, Haman's already put out the order to wipe out the Jews. Um, and Esther speaks up to the king and says, King, I'm a Jew. This is my people that Haman wants to kill. Haman's a wicked man. Uh, he's planning genocide. He's got to be stopped. And the king kind of realizes what's happening, and he has Haman executed on the very same structure that Haman had built to put Mordecai to death. Uh, and, and Haman's killed. Um, and and, uh, and the story goes on from there. The, the, the plot to, for, of genocide against the Jewish people is stopped. Um, and and you know, God works through Esther and Mordecai to save his people in his own perfect timing. Um, you know, in the ancient world, hanging people from a structure, hanging people or impaling people uh, on a, a large pole or a structure was a common form of execution. In fact, 400, 500 years from after, after this time, uh, the Romans were still executing people this way, still hanging people from, from crosses and poles. Um, and, uh, you know, even though God saved Mordecai, uh, from hanging, saved him from being executed, we'd see that God himself would step into the in the human history in the person of Jesus Christ, and he himself would be hanged on a cross for our sake, right? That when his perfect timing came to send his son just at the right time, uh, Jesus would step into human history, uh, and he would hang for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so we could be made right with God, so when we put our trust in Jesus and what he did uh, to save us, we can have a relationship with God restored, and we can have a hope for an eternity uh, in heaven with God. Forgiveness of our sins, a fresh start um, because of what Jesus was willing uh, to do for us. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus didn't stay dead after being publicly executed, but he rose from the dead uh, so that we can trust that he is who he says he is. He's our Savior and our Lord, and he promises eternal life to us. And it's when we put our trust in Jesus and ask him to be our savior that he comes and lives in us and through us by his Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit develops patience uh, in us and helps us to be more like Jesus in every way, helps us to trust God more and, and particularly trust his perfect timing. Um, so as we think about, man, man what, what is God trying to teach me in this season, particularly in this season of, of quarantine, in this season of waiting? Um, I think God would want to encourage you to trust his timing. His timing is perfect. He's a good father who knows how to take good care of his children, and he really does know what's best for us. And just as he waited for his perfect timing uh, to exalt Mordecai and save his life, um, God has things in your life that he's waiting for his perfect timing for as well. That if we had it in our own timing, we'd say, man, I want it now. God, can it be now? Uh, but God knows when it's best, and we need to trust him because he's a loving father and trust he knows uh, when that is. Amen. Uh, I want to pray, pray that, that God would help us with this. 
um, and, and, and really help us to trust his timing more. Amen. Father God, uh, I thank you so much for your word, the encouragement of your word here in Esther. Uh, God, would you help us to trust that you are in control of every situation and trust that your timing is good, your timing is perfect, that you're at work behind the scenes, causing things to work together for our good. Uh, help us to trust you in that. God, would you develop patience in us, God? Grow uh, that supernatural patience in us, God, so that we would not be miserable in this season, God, but we'd be able to trust you and rely on you and have joy and hope uh, in this season, trusting that you will bring us through it in your timing. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to do something different tonight. You know, in, in, in previous weeks, we've been transitioning to a time uh, going on Facebook Live to take your prayer requests. I would like us to have some time to discuss these things. So what's going to happen is as soon as this video ends, we're going to go into a Zoom call. We're going to drop a link uh, to that Zoom call in, in the comments, and we'll send it out. If you're on Kyle's mailing list uh, for email and text, we'll send out that Zoom link. And as soon as this video ends, go ahead and click on that Zoom link uh, and join that chat. And we're going to discuss these things. We're going to talk about you know, what are the things in our lives that right now we're waiting for? And maybe we're, or it's tough. Maybe we're miserable. Maybe we're struggling to wait for these things. Uh, and what are the things in the season that we're really trusting God for? We're trusting his timing on. And so we can talk about these things and encourage each other. All right. So we're going to send out that Zoom link. You can join the chat. And we can discuss these things. I want you guys to know I love you so much. Uh, and and uh, if you need anything, please reach out to uh, Jackie or I or Derek or Natalie. Uh, we're here for you and we love you. God bless you.